What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, I'm Rick, store director from the Mill Valley Safeway. Our pick four sales back with over 100 items to choose from. It's simple. Mix and match any four participating items. That's right, any four. They don't have to be the same, so mix and match away. Here's a few to choose from. Lean Cuisine and Stouffer's Simple Dishes or Signature Classics Entrees, 6 to 13 ounce selected varieties, only $1.77, and Kellogg's Cereal 10 to 12 ounce, $1.69 each. When you buy four, look for the red tags in store. This is Rick from the Mill Valley Safeway, and we'll see you soon. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to a magical episode of the Hardwood Knox. This is Adam Frommel here with Dan Favale and Andy Bailey, and it's going to be magical because, drumroll, we're talking about the Orlando Magic. Uh, looking at this roster, it's, it's interesting. If, if, their, if their starting lineup is as projected with Alfred Payton, Victor Oladipo, Tobias Harris, Aaron Gordon, and Nikola Vucevic, that is a starting five where the oldest player is still 24 years old. And is about to turn 25. So does that make us just feel ridiculously old here? The NBA has made me feel old for a few years, Adam. Wait till you're in your late 20s like I am. It gets worse. Um, I love teams like this, though. When, that, when everybody's really young, you have a core of guys that are in their mid to early 20s. I think there are... Grocery Outlet Bargain Market is your home for huge savings on name brand products. This week, have a fun and delicious start to your morning with Post Nutter Butter Cereal. 19-ounce boxes are just 99 cents. That's a wow savings of up to 80% versus traditional grocery stores. Also, Star Kiss Chunk Light Tuna, 5-ounce cans are buy two, get one free. That's a wow savings of up to 64%. Limit three free. Offers good through March 12th. Grocery Outlet Bargain Market a lot like the Bucks in that way. It's just that maybe they're a year behind in terms of the process. Like it, it, It'll be another year of growth, I think, for them. But they have a ton of talent. Those five guys that you named, I think all are very, very naturally talented. And then they have some talented guys on the bench, too. Evan Fournier has his shortcomings, but I think he's a solid scorer. I think Kazonia has a chance to be pretty good. Um, their first-round pick from this year. Um, and I mean, really, I, there's just so much young talent there. This is a team that I'm going to be paying attention to this year and in, in the next couple of years. Everything Bailey just said was right on point. And, and you look, and it's just, they're that team that they're still so young. And yeah, this should be another transitioning year. But would you guys be surprised if they started contending for a playoff spot in the East right away? Not at all. I wouldn't, because there's so much talent, and they can play in so many different ways. They have enough half-court talent and enough shot creators. They can run. They can be that team with a defensive identity, but they can also be that team with an offensive identity. I'm interested to see. This probably isn't an issue or a problem this year, but you have six guys who are are high-end talent right now. If you look at Vucevic, Harris, Gordon, Oladipo, Payton, and Herzonia, do you develop primarily one of those wings as someone who comes off the bench or – 
is this something you eventually break up? Because that's so much talent. You look at all those guys just down the line and be like, hey, they should all be in NBA starting lineups. And that's good immediately. It's just something I wonder about. I actually didn't want them to bring back Tobias Harris just because I like Hazonia so much. And it does kind of force him to, to work on filling that almost James Harden-like role. Not saying they have similar skill sets, just in terms of the role. But before we really get rolling, can we just agree not to ask what like the ceiling of this team is going to be for wins this year? Because what if everyone makes the leap simultaneously? We have no idea. Yeah, I, I guess if they all sort of hit their stride this season, which isn't outside the realm of possibility. I Like you guys have already said, I wouldn't be surprised if they made the playoffs. I think even if if everything, if everybody hit the leap, just kind of like Adam was saying, I still think that it's hard to see him winning more than 45 games. That sounds crazy to say that, but I, I guess if everyone did sort of jump out this season, it would be possible. Yeah, I mean, it's almost um, impossible for that to happen, but they have five guys, you, they're, they're starters, that you can realistically say could be in all-star contention in the Eastern Conference. Peyton might be the least likely of those just because he's a point guard, but all five of those guys are capable of getting to that level right away. Yeah, it's pretty. I, I never really thought about it in these terms before, but I don't, I don't disagree with you. I, I actually I think you might be onto something there. You definitely aren't, and if there's really a downside to what they have, it's that this team didn't really have an identity last year. They ranked in the bottom seven of both offensive and defensive efficiency. And while we can count on some of these guys making the leap, is the right head coach in place to help them make that leap? Is Scott Skiles the guy that's going to give this team an identity? I don't believe so. I thought that was a very odd hire by them. I thought they should have been a bit more aggressive in their attempt to land a head honcho. But that would be the bigger concern than just this talent because the pieces are all there. The foundation is all there. They even have some vets that can really just contribute right away that might bolster their playoff stock. Someone like Channing Fry, or even if Andrew Nicholson, who's younger, just starts playing better, actually gets playing time. The head coaching seems to be the biggest flaw of this team. I would, I would agree with you to an extent. I think Skiles will make them better in the short term. Uh, I think he'll instill a lot of discipline that wasn't there. I think their defense will instantly get better this season. But I don't, I'm not really sold on him as a long-term option for this team. I'm, I'm not sure if he unlocks the potential, like you said. What, what has happened with Skiles in the past with some teams, it seems like he, he kind of makes an immediate impact. And then, um, you know, from at least looking at it from the outside, he kind of wears out his welcome with players and with or, and organizations. And I could see that happening here in Orlando, too. But just for now, I think he's, he's an upgrade, at least for this immediate season. I don't like it when coaches are hired and they have to work to get along with the best player on the team. And you can use George That's Carl as an example with the Sacramento Kings. But, but right now in Orlando, Vucevic is the best player. He might not be for too much longer. And they have personalities that could potentially clash. Skiles is the hard-nosed perfectionist who's going to call you out if you're making mistakes in practice and, and really just grill people. And Vucevic, from all reports, is a soft-spoken guy who likes kind of hanging back and he does work hard on his game. But it's not an ideal situation for him to be coached by somebody with that type of temperament, and that concerns me. The other thing there would be that Styles is probably going to rely a lot on Vucevic, and so you need that relationship to be good because he's sort of cut from that school that's, hey, let's not necessarily run the offense out of the post, but the Magic are going to go through 
uh, Nick a lot. Like, so it's just you want them to get along. They need to get along. And, and that's a good point. You forget it how uh, rigid Skiles was in the past. And I know he has a different personality than Scott Brooks, but just the caliber of hire seems similar to what the Thunder had in Brooks. He's not going to take this team to the next level. He might be able just to let it run it, its course right now, and that could entail them being really good, or they could be one of those teams that fails to win 30 games once again. I almost feel like there wasn't enough risk analysis done here because if the worst-case scenario unfolds and Skiles and Vucevic start clashing, then you're looking at potentially... I mean, you're not going to side with Skiles in that situation because he's not the future of the franchise. So you're looking at potentially going to another interim head coach after going through Jock Vaughn and James Borrego last season, and that's not what you want with such a young team that needs to be molded and needs to come up with an identity right now. So that's really troubling to me. I don't, I don't really see it blowing up with Skiles. I think that he could be there for at least two or three years. I, I think he's a good, solid NBA coach. He's not great. He's not somebody that's going to... Scott I don't know, Brooks light the frown. fan based on fire. What was that, Dan? Scott Brooks with a frown. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of true. Um, but I'll just go back to what I said before. I think he does make him better now. I, I just don't see, like, he's not a championship. Is that a good um, thing? Is making them better now a good thing? Um, I would say it is. I think they've, I think they have collected enough assets. It's time to move on from, from asset accumulation to team building or finding your identity, whatever the next step may be. Because like we said, they already have six guys and they're already yep. in that, that territory where they have to think about making one of them a sixth man type player. I think when you're in that area, it's, it's time to start taking steps forward. I agree. So, I just wanted to get your opinion there. Yeah, I think, I think now is the time to start winning games, and that's probably a big part of why they hired Skiles as opposed to maybe somebody who was more about player development. Oh. And I guess the other thing there would be it's different if you bring in a guy like Skiles on a team that benefits from winning now at the expense of that development. But you look at the Magic's roster, they're not going to be playing veterans over some of these young guys because you just don't have those veterans. So it just toes on what Bailey was saying there. Maybe Skiles isn't a bad fit because if he makes this team better now, it's going to be with that young talent, and that's not going to be a bad thing. He absolutely hit on the head when he said it's really time for this team to win games. When you look at them on paper, if you don't want to call them a playoff team, this really, even without you know Herzonia in the fold, this shouldn't have been a team that ranked in the bottom seven of both offensive and defensive efficiency last year. They have a lot of talent, so it is time for them to start moving in the right direction. I still, even under that scope, I do still wonder if Skiles is the guy to push them forward. I, I just don't know. Maybe he makes their defense a little bit better. He's not really an offensive mastermind. Has he ever really done well working with young players would be the other question. It was just a very weird hire in my mind. Well, I mean, no matter who's on the sideline, this team isn't going to advance much further if they can't figure out how to shoot. That's probably the biggest concern for me because Alfred Payton is essentially Rajon Rondo and we're talking about his jumper. It's just non-existent. Victor Oladipo made some strides last year, but I'm still not convinced that he can truly stretch out the court. Tobias Harris had his first good season from beyond the arc last year. I think he was at like 36.5%. And we don't know what we have in Aaron Gordon yet. Vucevic isn't exactly a stretch five. So in this, in this modern pace and space basketball that we're in, I don't know that they have 
the personnel as currently constructed to really build an elite offense, no matter how much these players develop. And at the heart of that is the, the lack of an identity. I mean, it goes beyond just not knowing whether they're an offensive or defensive team. Even on the offensive side, they don't know who they want to be. I agree with that, and I, I, I also share your, your sentiment on their ability to shoot. I think that's obviously one of the most important aspects of basketball these days. And I think someone, I think the guy who most needs to make a leap as a shooter, and I think this could help their identity, is Victor Oladipo. Somebody who was a really good shooter in college, but just hasn't quite found the range uh, from the NBA three-point line yet. Was he but a I think really good shooter in college? Well, his last year. You can look it up. I, I would appreciate a fact check there, actually. I've already I'm got it. it. He, uh, he shot 44.1% from deep during his last year, but that was coming off 308 and 208 Okay, so it was, yeah, just one season. And how, he, he took a decent amount that last year, too, right? Uh, 68. Yeah, 68 over the course of 36 games. Yeah, so I... I think there's potential for him to be a good shooter. I don't think he necessarily has to be like a knockdown 40% guy um, because his ability to slash is probably always going to be his go-to. But if he gets to the point where he's maybe slightly above league average, so say like 35.5%, from three, I think all of a sudden Orlando has a go-to scoring option. I think that guy is Tobias Harris right now, but I think he may be better suited to be a number two option on a really good team, maybe even a number three option. Actually, I, don't, I, I, I totally spaced Vucevic. Um, Harris is probably number two now, so that would, that would bump him to three. Anyway, long story short, I think if Oladipo makes a little bit of a leap as a shooter and becomes a more well-rounded scorer, I think it helps them a lot on that end. They're going to eventually need Aaron Gordon to start shooting as well. I know they started to try and do that over the summer just because you want to have that space so that Oladipo can slash, so that Peyton can slash. Even Harris, you need that room. They have a lot of ball-dominant guys who have to learn to work without the ball. It, you know, it's not really vice versa. I think Tobias Harris made really good strides there. His uh, three-point percentage off the catch, I don't have it in front of me, but it was, it was really good. You need Oladipo to be someone like that, but I also don't – I wonder if you're eventually going to have to take Aaron Gordon and stick him or be able to stick him on the perimeter for stretches at a time just so you have enough space to capitalize on the talents of all these ball dominators that the Magic do have around. If I remember correctly, uh, Gordon shot like 50% during two summer league games on four threes a game. Granted, really small sample size, but that's what we've wanted to see from him, both taking and making those shots. And his stroke looks a lot more seamless than it did even last year. So he's really young, and that, that type of development seems promising uh, if they do want to turn him into a stretch four, which, like you said, I think he needs to be. I agree with that, too. And last season, he shot 27% from three, which isn't going to cut it. But I, I love the Sean Marion comparison to him that's been pretty prevalent since he was being scouted for the draft. And Sean Marion's a career 33% Do you know who Sean Marion's first head coach was? Was it Skiles? Back in Phoenix. Interesting. Um... 33% is below league average now, but Good it's, enough. A, it's enough as a four to make a defender leave the paint, which I, I fully believe that Aaron Gordon can get to that level. So I guess really what it comes down to is, 
if two or two or three of these guys who didn't really shoot very well last year, if they can pick their percentage up one or two points, which isn't outrageous to expect or hope for, uh, they could suddenly be at least a decent offensive team. I think you need like, and, and this just has to happen for me. Alfred Payton needs to really just improve on the offense. He has great court vision, and he already seems like he's going to be a phenomenal defender. But we've seen points in Rondo's career where he was that good in terms of finding the right guy and making the right passes and defending really well. And the Celtics during those years were never really great offensive teams. If you want to have a good offensive team, you need a reliable shooter at point guard or someone who can score consistently. And that's something I would need to see from him. Hopefully this season, maybe give him two seasons. He's still super young, but again, his percentage is already iffy and those Rondo comparisons are no longer flattering anymore. Yeah. I, I agree, uh, but I do think it's at least a good sign that he thrived so much as a driving point guard last year. During the second half of the season when he was attacking the basket a lot more off these picks and really putting his head down and trying to get to the rim, he improved a lot. I don't know if the Magic's offense improved along with him, but just having at least one weapon at his disposal, which he really didn't have at the beginning of his rookie season. He could dribble and he could pass, but he wasn't a threat to score at all. It was was enough improvement that it offers hope that he can continue to get better on that end. So even I'll admit to what Adam was just saying that the Magic offense was markedly better with Peyton on the floor. They pumped in one hundred four point two points per hundred possession with him compared to ninety eight without him. One hundred four point two is still going to put you right around the bottom ten area, but at least it shows that he made their offense better. As an individual scorer, though, I'm just not into the Rondo types anymore. And he was a driving point guard. He's a little bit more aggressive already in finding his shot than Rondo ever was. But you really need a jump shot in this NBA to make it as a star starting point guard or at least pilot what should be an above-average offense. And if the Magic really want to reach their potential, they need Peyton to become more than just a passing threat. But I think the way you can manage it in the meantime is if some of those other guys do take a leap as shooters, like you know Aaron Gordon, Victor Oladipo, Mario Hazonia should be a decent option. Tobias Harris, because um, if you space, if you run a pick and roll with with Alfred Payton and you space around it with three shooters, then you can still get away with him not necessarily being able to to come off the pick and hit the jumper himself. So I think we all agree that Vucevic is the best player right now. But like we've said, a lot of these guys have upside. So I'm curious who you all think is going to be the best player on this roster by the end of the season. Hmm. I think it's going to be Oladipo. I don't even really think there should be much of a question there. He already just seems like that guy who will be an all-star within two seasons. It helps that his position isn't really stocked with talent right now across the Eastern Conference or the league, for that matter. But he does everything, and it, like Bailey said before, if his three-point shot can be consistently above 36%, there will be absolutely nothing he can't do, and he'll just look like that future megastar. I actually like Aladipo for this question, too. That was the first name that popped into my mind. I, I, I think he has potential to be a similar player to Dwayne Wade um, with a little bit more upside as an outside shooter. M- maybe not the same level of upside as an overall player, but he's a similar player, similar mold, really athletic, can get to the rim, has great potential on defense, can even distribute a little bit. I I, I really think he has a chance to be a go-to guy for them. 
yeah, I'll concur with both of you, but also mention Aaron Gordon. I'm so high on, on his development that I think he could make that remarkably substantial leap in just one season. And it's probably worth noting that Vucevic could hold on to that spot as well, especially if he learns how to play better defense under Skiles. I like to say that he subscribes to like the Brook Lopez style of defense, where he's actually a pretty decent rim protector, but it's mostly because of a complete lack of mobility. He's good at defending that one spot on the court, but if you ask him to move around, he declines significantly. So if he's going to be even an average defender while he still has that offensive skill set, because he can score from pretty much anywhere inside the arc, then he could hold on to that top spot. That's definitely fair. Uh, I guess if you're just thinking about this team, though, they're, I don't want to say they're caught between rebuilding and competing. They're more the rebuilding team that can compete. How many wins do you think they're going to have? You know, This is still a team that didn't win a ton of games last year. They still couldn't even crack that 30 mark. It definitely seems like they'll get there this year, but let's just looking at this team, what do you? How do you think they do in the Eastern Conference? I am going to say thirty-five for them. Um, I I will assume that maybe one or two guys take a big leap forward, uh, like we were talking about earlier. But I don't I don't think it'll be enough guys to really put them over the edge. I still have them outside the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. It wouldn't surprise me if they if they were contending for that eighth seed, but then there's six or seven teams in the East that I wouldn't be surprised to see competing for eight. Um, so just you know, erring on the side of caution, I'm going to say around mid thirties. I'm going to go slightly below that and just say like thirty two or thirty three as they they try and develop together because I don't think that making the playoffs is a huge priority. They're they deserve to be in that discussion for the eighth seed, but I probably have them at the back end of that clump of Eastern teams. Yeah, I've turned more towards Adam there. I just don't think they're going to be in that conversation wholly just yet. They still have so much more to do because they don't have that identity, and I want to see if they're going to be either a good offensive or more likely a good defensive team before we can assign them those 35 or 36 wins right there. I think it's reasonable to expect them to win seven or eight more games, but it, it would be a little bit surprising if they were able to get 35 or more, even in that Eastern Conference. Right. With the wins in the book, it is now time for... Bacon! Bacon! Where's the bacon? I smell bacon! Today it is my bacon that is extra crispy, and I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, our favorite league to bash at this point, it seems, which would be the National Football League, and their decision to not let uh, Steelers running back D'Angelo Williams wear pink to honor his, I believe it's his mom who passed away from breast cancer for the rest of the season, and that's absolutely ridiculous. They capitalized off Williams' story in a commercial campaign during the NFL's breast cancer awareness stuff. And to not let him wear pink just to honor her just seems really, really absurd. I know the NFL has these rules in place and they try and make it this no one's above the law type deal, but it's absolutely ridiculous. You also have uh, Cameron Hayward also with the Steelers, the defensive end with the Steelers. His father battled cancer and died in May 2006, and he wrote the word iron and head under his eyes uh, in memoriam of him. And the league actually fined him, uh, I'm reading on ESPN.com right now, it was almost six grand. That's absolutely ridiculous as well. I know rules are in place for a reason, and there's dress codes, there's color codes or whatever, but shouldn't there be leeway? Am I completely off the base here? Does everything have to be so uniform? 
if you can make an exception for one thing in a league that dedicates the entire Breast Cancer Awareness Month to putting some pink in the jerseys, then you should make an exception for that. It bothers I, me even more that they used his story in yeah. one of their campaigns, too. Yeah. It's like, so you can capitalize it off this month, but after that, it serves you no purpose. Why are you going to let him do it? I think the faulty assumption here is that the NFL gives a damn. <laughs> they don't. I won't assume that. I just wanted to make sure it was clear enough that they don't give two craps. Yeah. I'm with you guys on this. I think it's pretty ridiculous. Uh, I assume that most of our listeners uh, feel the same way. It seems pretty obvious to me. Um, if you want to talk to us about the No Fun League, or if you want to talk to us about the Orlando Magic, or anything else uh, under the sun, it doesn't just have to be NBA, we're normal human beings too, um, you can reach Adam on Twitter at Frommel09, F-R-O-M-A-L-0-9. Dan is at Dan Favale, F-A-V-A-L-E. I'm at Andrew D. Bailey. The uh, Twitter handle for the show is at Hardwood Knox. And, of course, we're on iTunes where we would love to have uh, you guys subscribe or rate the podcast and favorite us on Stitcher. And finally, of course, shout out, Bino Udry. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> In fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. Skydiving. This is amazing. Yeah, but you know what else is amazing? An iPhone 6S for just 49 bucks at Metro. Really? Imagine streaming all the way down with that amazing camera. I'm switching. That's smart. You know what else is smart? Parachutes. Woo! Switch to Metro and get an amazing iPhone 6S for only 49 bucks. Metro by T-Mobile. Phone offer requires port in of number not currently active on T-Mobile network or active on Metro in past 90 days. See store for details and terms and conditions. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.